Breaking down Wisconsin basketball. This is The Swing with Zach Heilprin and Jesse Temple on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, welcome into The Swing. I'm Zach Heilprin. That is the Athletics Jesse Temple. Badgers <laughs> go on the road. They lose at Indiana 74-70. to Let's run through what happened real quickly. They fell behind by 15 points in the first half. They didn't score the final 206. They missed their final six shots. They shot free, uh, three free throws all night. They allowed the opposing center to score 27 points on 11 for 12 shooting. They allowed Indiana to shoot 61% for the game, including 69.7% on two pointers. Otherwise, I think things went well for them, Jesse, outside of the fire. And then there was a fire alarm that uh, led to a delay of 25 minutes. But other than that, I think things went pretty well for Wisconsin last night. You covered it pretty well. Good night, everybody. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening to the show we'll be back next week yeah uh i mean in some sense i want to give them credit for erasing a double digit deficit on the road mm, even yeah. against a bad team but i only said in some sense because yeah, okay. <laughs> their defense their defense was awful i right. mean i don't know what else you can say indiana has not been a good team not a good offensive team um particularly when it comes to efficiency and they were just getting wide open looks. They were passing the ball around the perimeter. They were making threes. And let's just be real. Khalil Ware is a first round NBA draft pick and looked the part and was absolutely dominant. He made 11 of 12 shots from the field. He was nine of 10 in the first half, got whatever he wanted, made his first, what, eight shots from the field, I think, and then came up with a massive and one where he just used his stretch Armstrong arms to get an alley-oop uh, layup over Crowell. And uh, I mean, obviously <laughs> that makes a big difference to have a player like that, but Wisconsin still put itself in a position to win this game actually had the lead down the stretch and couldn't close the deal. And now we're sitting here as February comes to a close with Wisconsin going two and six in the, in the big 10 is my math right on that. Yes. You're, you're very, that's, that's accurate. It's a distant memory that they were <laughs> they were eight and one in Big Ten play. It's just uh, and there's no excuses. That's the other thing. Um, I mean, John Blackwell's back played very well off the bench yet again. There's no excuse for playing at this level and losing to teams that are in the bottom half of the Big Ten. Certainly you could make the case. And I know we talked about it, I think, on Temple and Heilprin. I wrote about it in a mailbag last week that there is more parity in college basketball than maybe ever. Um, but if you want to be a team that has goals of doing something noteworthy in the postseason, you don't go two and six. You don't fall flat on the road consistently against teams that are below 500. You don't do it and Wisconsin did. And we, we've talked about teams not being able to win on the road, right? Like, uh, everyone, everyone's struggling on the road. Mm -hmm. Well, teams have gone into Indiana and, and won, right? Like Nebraska went in there and won. Northwestern went in there and won. Purdue went in there and won. Penn State went in there and won. It's not like Indiana is one of those teams that actually has played extremely, extremely well at home. They they haven't. Um, uh, Minnesota, you know, there are a number of times that teams have gone in there and, and, and done whatever they want. Um, so that, like, that has been used as an excuse. Like, nobody's went on the road. Well, People have gone into Indiana into Indiana and won, and they were they had lost four straight coming to that one, including two at home, the ones to Northwestern and Nebraska. Like they were, they're not a they're not a very good team. They do have the difference here is they do have talent, right? Like Ware is a very talented player. Renew was in foul trouble, but he's a very talented player. Like they have some talent on that team, 
But Wisconsin's d- defense just I, I it's just remarkable how far it's fallen off from yeah. uh, last year. And I don't know that you can be like, uh, I, like, what's the excuse there? I don't know what the excuse is. You can't make an excuse for continued poor defense. And Greg Gard talked about it uh, this week. I asked him, I, I asked him a question <clears throat> that was more me trying to figure out exactly what they look at, you know, when they're talking about defense, because we all hear about the points per possession, right? Like how do you, what's that, what's another stat that you look at to trying to determine whether you play good defense or not. And he just pretty much ignored the question and then talked about um, the three things that have hampered them here in this, this stretch. And it was the, you know, fouling too much, right? The, the, there was fouling too much, you know, and allowing them to get to the line. They shot, Six, what was it? 10 for 16 last night from uh, from the free throw line. No, uh, 10 for 15, Indiana. There wasn't a, there wasn't a lot of like stupid, stupid fouls. Now, Tyler Wall did deal with foul trouble. It limited him to, I think, 25 minutes, but there wasn't there wasn't that. Uh, he also said, you know, transition buckets have uh, impacted them. Indiana had three fast break points. Yeah. Right. And then it was also the turnovers that have plagued them because it allowed, you know, that's been a problem. They had three turnovers last night. So the, the issues that have been so bad for them uh, in this, in February were not. And he, he, he said all three were uh, connected, right? Like if you take a bad shot, I think the three point shooting was also another one that, that played in. If you take a bad shot, it allows teams to get into transition and you're more likely to foul in transition. So those were the reasons that he, he laid out to me this week. And then you go and look at last night and yeah, Wisconsin didn't shoot it well from three, but the other things that were in that that mix were were not in play whatsoever. No, and we should mention. Pause here to uh, throw this out there that they went zero and five on the road in February. Like you could not yeah, have played any worse than Wisconsin played, and most of those teams aren't very good. I mean, yeah, Mich- I mean Michigan, <laughs> Indiana, three and fourteen. Indiana seven and ten, Rutgers is six and ten. These are the records in the Big Ten. I was playing better basketball. They're nine and nine, and Nebraska's ten and seven. But like, yeah, uh, I, I don't. Not good. <laughs> I, that's the thing about. I mean, you're talking about the the three things that Greg mentioned, and um, I there's just not one quick fix to this issue. And at this point, you are what you are, and like, I just I don't think that this is a fixable issue. And that's not to say they. That's not to say they can't have good stretches. They have won games where they played good defensively, but it's just trending in the wrong direction. And the Indiana game, you do the things that on paper you say you need to do and you still don't win. Um, it's disconcerting. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. Uh, was <clears throat> I was having a text conversation with a friend last night, and he uh, asked me, worst month of Badger basketball since? Ooh, and uh, there, there are a number of ones that I think uh, you could could look back at. I, I think back to I had to go back and look, but 2009, January 2009, they lost six straight, and they went two and six in the month, so a very similar month. But I think at least four of those games were against ranked teams, so it was a little bit different than losing to Michigan and to Rutgers. And the Rutgers game, like losing at Rutgers is one thing. Getting blown out is another thing. Losing at an uh, Indiana team that has talent but hasn't played well. And then you, I think back to um, 
2019, but that team just wasn't very good. They they went one and eight from January fifth to February fourth in twenty nineteen, but they never yeah. showed they never showed signs of being good. This one did. Yeah. I'm looking at it right now. The 2017-18 team that uh, finished with a losing record. That was going to be my. First That's what guess. I meant. That's what I meant. Eight. I meant twenty eighteen. I think I said twenty nineteen, but I meant twenty eighteen. Yeah, that that was going to be my first guess for the last time. There was a bad month, but. But this is so much worse because Wisconsin had put itself in position to, and Wisconsin was sixth in the AP top 25 poll, rarefied yeah. air for this program. And now they're, uh, you have to start to wonder, well, are they going to slide so far back that, I mean, what are they going to be in the eight, nine NCAA tournament game where it's a toss up in the first round? Like that's not out of the realm of possibility. I still am not uh, of the mind that they're going to miss the tournament. Uh, hmm. Cause at least I, I guess the good news is they've got, some home games. <laughs> well, Not they do, fair. but they, I mean, they do, but they haven't beaten Illinois since 2019. No. And but, we just uh, saw, we just saw what Rutgers did to them two weeks ago on the road. So like, I'm not penciling those in as wins. Yeah. I mean, look, if they, if they lose the last three and they close the regular season at 18 and 13, and then somehow, well, you that would, that would, do you know, that's the double. That's exactly the same record they had at the, at the end of last year. Unbelievable. Uh, I don't think they that's would, going to happen. Because then, but... then they would also be 10 and 10 in the conference, just like they were last year. Right. Uh, yeah, then then you've clearly got some issues. You didn't make the double buy. I mean, yes, there there is a scenario in which they don't even make the tournament. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, they, this, in, this Illinois game is a big one on Saturday, and obviously the Rutgers game, because I don't see how they go to Purdue and win. Uh, but they are... They are just they're hurting at the at the worst time. So that fire alarm. Yeah. Wisconsin scores a couple of John Blackwell scored. Speaking of guys that actually did play well last night, John Blackwell really was big for them last night. And I know you mentioned that earlier, but like he had these the back to back buckets, tied the game at 54. And all of a sudden the fire alarm goes off and it forces them to evacuate. 25 minutes and then they come back. Uh, Greg Gard was asked about it afterwards. He said, quote, I thought it was a great timeout for whoever from Indiana pulled the fire alarm for them because we were making a run. So, um, <laughs> shenanigans. It, yes. Shenanigans. Now, again, Wisconsin, as soon as the game restarted, Wisconsin took the lead and, and actually held the lead for stretches uh, down the you know, for at, at different points down the stretch. So it's not like that completely ruined their momentum, um, but it was. It was a curious time for the alarm to get pulled. That's for sure. Um, Nuclear Badger was wondering who's most likely to pull the fire alarm in the midst of recording the swing. And <laughs> it's I, me. I, <laughs> you pull you pull the fire alarm when I say something stupid. That's that's when that's when the fire alarm gets pulled. I never pull it because you never say anything stupid. So I, there's I no reason. Dumb stuff. There's no reason for me to pull it. But yeah, I, I I think I would agree that it probably would be you, and it would obviously have something to do with with my stupidity, but, um, there, those, that was, that is crazy. That is kind of crazy. Yeah. Never seen that before. Uh, and it's funny. Cause if you're watching it on TV, you're like, uh, you have no idea what's happening. And all of a sudden they cut to a shot of just like empty bleachers. Well, where did all these people go and what is happening? <laughs> and now why is everybody on the floor leaving the court? And, um, when you don't know, obviously leaves open to your mind what, yeah. what's happening. So, I mean, thankfully, it was just a fire alarm and they were able to resume play pretty soon thereafter. And it, it didn't, 
mean, it didn't seem to impact the, the performance of either team because, like you said, Wisconsin came out and took the lead right away. I mean, Tyler Wall scored inside. Chucky Hepburn hit a three from the left wing, and Wisconsin was off for about four or five minutes, uh, off and running, and then just off overall by not being able to make a shot at the end. So yeah, I mean, they're, I mean, it, they're now I think three and six in um, games decided by single digits this year, and a lot of those obviously have come in the month of February. You think when I mean, you go back and look at what they did in the month of February outside of the um outside of the Rutgers game, all of them were close, right? I yeah. mean you had you lose by four to Indiana. You you did beat Maryland by four. So you got that one and you beat Maryland and you beat Ohio State by eight. So those are those are two that go with you. But you think about the loss at Ohio at Iowa in overtime by two. You lose at Michigan by four. You lose to Purdue by six. You lose to Nebraska in overtime by eight. Like those we're all and you know not being able to close down the stretch is tough i think i i saw chucky talking about this um i don't know if he's talking about down the stretch or just in general but they have an old team older team than they did last year like this is a much more veteran team than it was at this uh at this time last year and yet some of the same things are afflicting them their inability to finish games is certainly right up there and um they need to figure it out because this that was the last game in in, in february it's now march and you have very little time to to turn things around and, and figure out how to how to win games. And it's not um I, I don't think that there is just a simple fix, especially defensively. They they've been no. they've been trying to figure it out and and uh Greg Gard said they painted them a very vivid picture of what needs to happen and now they have to go out and do it. And right now they're not going out and doing it. They're in a position where in order to win games, they're gonna have to be the best version of themselves offensively. Like, yep. and, and to me, that means one of the top teams in the country in terms of offensive efficiency, like they were earlier in the season when they lost two games in two and a half months. Um, and I don't, <laughs> at this point, it's hard to trust them in any capacity. Can you do that consistently? Well, we haven't really seen that and certainly can't trust them defensively, even though they've had some decent defensive performances. It's funny because I felt so good about where this team was at going into February, much like everyone else did. And when I remember that Minnesota game on the road, it's a close one. It's exactly like all these games that happened in February. And even if Minnesota wasn't a good team, that's a tough place to play. It's a rivalry game. They play each other, obviously, multiple times, know each other very well. Well, Wisconsin won that 61-59. So they were able to, to find some grit to, to bow up defensively. And it, it made me think what happened a week earlier in that loss at Penn State, not a good loss, 87-83, was kind of a blip on the radar. And what it's ended up happening being is like that, it turned out that win against Minnesota was the blip where they've gotten into these close games and they can't finish. And defensively, they just have not been sound enough on a consistent basis. So I don't know. It's funny, the, the ebbs and flows of a season and kind of the mood swings of how you feel about a team. But right now, I, it's it's hard to have a lot of positivity when this is the product they're putting out on the floor. Yeah, I've been an idiot. I forgot to count a couple of of their wins. So they're they're actually five and six in games decided by single digits. So I'll, uh, I totally forgot to add in the Ohio State and Maryland games when I was counting down. So um, it, it's still not a, it's still not good, right? Like it's still not those, especially when you look at the Iowa game. You, you had it. You didn't have it won, but you had you had chances 
to finish that out. The Nebraska game, you're up by 18. Um, the Purdue game was probably the best, it's probably the best game they played in, mm-hmm. in the month of February and still unable to find, uh, you know, be able to finish that out. So, yeah. And then Indiana, you're up late. You're up 70 to, I think it was 70 to 68 and then don't score again in the final 206 and lose. Right. It's not great. Um, you were talking about the defense. I got a couple of these, and I think it's kind of probably an offshoot of our talk about uh, Kirk Penny as the offensive coordinator. Uh, <laughs> yes, Blake is wondering why Greg, why Greg Gard didn't hire a defensive coordinator. Well, maybe they should just get Jim Leonard in here. Say, uh, <laughs> that was a nice week or two you had with the Broncos, but come on in here and figure out some basketball X's and O's. <laughs> uh, they're, they're, <laughs> yeah. Right? They're, 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 yes. Maybe they do need a defensive coordinator. We'll see if they add that in the offseason. Um, it's worth mentioning, by the way, I feel, I feel like we should at least throw this out there. I know we're bemoaning Wisconsin's terrible February, and people don't, if you're a Wisconsin fan, you don't care about any, any other team. But we talked about this on Temple and Heilprin. Every team in the Big Ten, other than Purdue and Illinois is 500, has a losing record on the road in Big Ten play. And the, the um, differences are absurd i mean nebraska's nine and zero at home in conference games and one and seven on the road no northwestern's eight and zero at home and two and six on the road wisconsin's seven and one at home and three and six on the road so like it's not a problem unique to wisconsin but that doesn't make any fan feel better as we're having this conversation they're sitting in a tie for fourth place in the big 10 and that's why this i mean that illinois game on saturday to me is a really big one but northwestern's gonna have to lose one of the next three or it, it's just crazy to think Wisconsin could be out of the double buy opportunity based on how they played. Yeah. You mentioned the, the road record I was listening to, or no, I was reading, uh, I think it might've been on the athletic that someone was, uh, the, the, the chairman of the committee was, was being asked about road wins and just being asked about like a lot of teams are not playing well away from home. And it means that they are actually thinking about putting, or we're talking about, putting more of an emphasis on those and your performances away from home because everyone has struggled on the road and the ones that don't should be rewarded for what they've been able to do away from home. And Wisconsin, I mean, what's Wisconsin's best win away from the coal center. And, and obviously, and obviously you don't, you can't go back and count the ones. I, I don't think you would count the ones on a neutral site, right? Like Virginia or, um, I think that you know SMU when they beat them on the road, but like, what's their best win away from home? Is it Michigan State? Maybe, when Michigan yeah, State's not very say, good. Yeah, I was going to say Michigan State because Michigan State's less bad now. I mean, they at least have a winning record in the Big Ten. They're nine and eight. They're seventeen and eleven overall. But yeah, there's not a lot of quality road wins from which to choose in the first place. Right. The well, yeah, uh, I'm I'm kind of trying to intertwine some of these. Twitter questions in with our conversation and we were, we've talked about February, how bad they were. Uh, Aaron wanted to know, will the Badgers win more games in March than they did in February? Mm, that's a really good one. Uh, well, they need three. So I think they'll beat Rutgers. Um, it's one. I don't, I don't have confidence. They'll win at Purdue that Illinois game. It's, I, I feel like the fan base is going to give this team everything it has. Like it's just, mm. it's a noon game on Saturday. It's a it's a ranked Illinois team. You think they're gonna not show up or have somewhere no, else to I, be? I I, I think they'll show up. I'm not saying it's gonna make the difference. No, no, uh, I think they'll show up, but I think I think they're also their patience is also very thin. So yes. I, I think what we've seen, I don't think February inspired any anything, but 
that they'll get behind them, but I also think to be very quick to turn as well if things do not go well and they're yeah. getting you know uh, sliced apart defensively like they have. I think that there will be uh, it, it won't be behind them the entire game. Now, the one thing that Wisconsin has going for them on Saturday is that they are going to be honoring Howard Moore. And I think that will bring some juice to the building um, as uh, they, I believe it's Howard Moore day and there's going to be a lot of former players there. So I think that that will help um, the environment, but I don't think it's going to be a a group that's going to be with them throughout the entire game. If if they don't, they don't play well defensively and are, you know, Yes. Defend. Like, I think that's, we, we have learned that a lot of, I mean, I'm not saying was like any fan base is, is smart, but like Wisconsin fan base can understand whether a team's playing good defense or not. And if they're not mm-hmm. playing it, it's going to be, it's going to be a tough watch. Yep. And I think it's going to be a tough, I think it's going to be tough to have them on your side. Now, how do you, how do you flip that? If you're not playing green defense and you better hit every shot on the other end. And uh, that will, that will certainly get the building going too. Yeah, I'm going to take the over on that question, by the way. I mean, I, at the very least, worst case scenario to me, they go one and two to close the regular season, which not a good spot to be in. I think they'd win their first Big Ten tournament game, though I have no guarantee that that's going to be the case because if they close one and two, uh, you're, it feels like a toss-up then, and it's a toss-up in the first round of the NCAA tournament. I'm still, since I have to pick and I'm not going to hedge, I'm going to take the over. Uh, Chris was saying over under six and a half games left in the season for the Badgers. Woof. At this point. <sighs> so that'd be, that'd be four. And then, uh, yeah, you have four guaranteed. And then you would go into whether it was the NCAA or the NIT. Um, yeah. That's such a great question because I either the say under. it's, yeah, I think I'll take the over, but I'll put it at seven, which means I think they'd win one Big Ten tournament game and one NCAA tournament game, but I have zero confidence in that right now. Wouldn't that be five? No, that'd be that'd be six. No, that'd be seven. That'd be seven. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yep. You're seven. I'm I'm not counting. I, yeah, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna take the under on that. It's take like every everybody I feel like is well, hope is waning, but there's been this idea of holding out hope for, oh, if they just get back to being the team that they were. And it feels like I don't I don't even know if that's a possibility right now, just because uh, you went an entire month and didn't come anywhere close to playing at that level. So. This seems to be more the team that they are going into this phase of the season. The good news, if there is a silver lining, is that they they did so much early in the season that they have still put themselves in a position to get into the place where they want to be. The problem is, I mean, we were talking for so long about the prospect of them being like a three seed in the NCAA tournament. And maybe if things were going well, like when they were six in the country, a two seed. Um, And now you end up in a spot where you might be an eight seed in a complete 50, 50 matchup in an eight, nine first round game. Far from ideal, but Hey, uh, let's at least wait to see the bracket. And if they get in, that's at least an improvement on last season, right? <laughs> yes. No, it, I mean, it is, it, it, it is getting in the doesn't make you feel very good about it. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, if you would have told me before the season, like you're sitting in this spot right now at 18 and 10 and, um, you know, 10 and seven in, in the big 10, I think you, I think, We'd all be like, "Yeah, sure, that works," yeah. but the way that the way they've gotten here obviously is not. Um, I don't want to say acceptable because who the hell am I to say that's not acceptable? But it, 
it doesn't feel the same. It doesn't, it doesn't feel the same whatsoever, which, which obviously has led to a lot of people asking questions about Greg Gard. And I know we talked about this on Temple and High Alprim, but I'll, I'll at least throw some of this stuff out here because people, uh, do have questions. Uh, Blake says, yeah. did the program reach its ceiling with Greg Gard? Last couple of years have really trended downwards. Derek said, asked, like, what exactly has Greg Gard done to earn praise or job security? Ever since Bo's culture and guys left, he's been mediocre. Also, why does he seemingly get so many excuses from the media and the, quote, old guard? And uh, mm-hmm. and T asked, how is this not a guard problem? Last week on the pod, you talked about the big picture and brushed away First aside, questions about Guard's future. I think you forgot to mention that Guard is, has missed the tournament twice in six years and lost in the first weekend in four of those six times um, that they did make it. I mean, he's made he's made the tournament six times in eight years. Mm-hmm. Got to the second round twice in those six trips, but obviously not since 2017. So um, th- there is there is certainly that. I went back and looked at Bo Ryan's first seasons, three Big Ten titles, two Big Ten tournament titles, three times advancing to the second weekend, uh, made the tournament every single year. Uh, Greg Gard obviously has made it. I mean, you throw 2020, if you want to throw that in there, you could say made it seven of nine times. Obviously, they didn't get to play that tournament, but two Big Ten titles, two times advancing to the second week. Um two Big Ten Coach of the Year honors. The trying to compare the best coach in trying to compare the current coach to the best coach in um yep. in program history is not necessarily probably fair to Greg Gard, but all those things pop up. Uh, any any thoughts on some of those questions? My first thought is you're right. It's it's obviously tough to follow that act, not trying to making excuses just like Bo Ryan obviously coached at a hall of fame level and Greg has won at a pretty decent rate, but it is a, what have you done for me lately business? Just like with Paul Christ, I said last week in a mailbag that unlike with Paul Christ situation at the end of his tenure, I didn't feel like the basketball program was in a spot where it was sliding out of relevancy in the big 10 landscape and the college basketball landscape. I mean, in the Big Ten landscape, they're obviously right in the thick of things other than competing for a conference title, largely because everybody else in the league is playing pretty mediocre basketball during the regular season. But absolutely, if this season goes south and they if they don't make the NCAA tournament, it would be one of the most epic collapses I can remember. And if they do, but they limp in and lose in the first game. I mean, we know Chris McIntosh is seeking championships and I'm not saying they're in a spot where they're going to be evaluating after this season, whether Greg guard should be the head coach, but if they have a really poor finish, that's two straight seasons where they just completely collapsed in the second half of the, of the year. And you do start to wonder what, what the long-term stability looks like. So I mean, I don't think it's a ridiculous question to ask. Um, it's also like still the middle of the season. It's it's still during the season. It's not the middle yeah. of the season. So it's like always hard to make these determinations in the, the heat of the moment. But like, yeah, if we get to March, whatever, 25th or something like that, and we're having this conversation about a Wisconsin team that ended up 11 and nine in the Big Ten and flamed out in the first game of the NCAA tournament, yeah, I think uh, I think you really have to start evaluating what, how do you get this program to that next level, right? And if you uh, can, yeah. Uh, one of the one of the other questions was why does uh, Gator said why does this happen every year? 
the second half of conference play is just a disaster. And mm. so, so I went back and looked at it and in the, you know, in, in Greg's first, this is, this is year nine. I didn't include this year, but I went back and looked at it and they went, they were, they went from 18 to 20 games, three years in like they, that was the first three years was 18 games. Now, obviously it's 20 games, but I, I went back and looked at the, like the last 10 games of the conference season uh, for the last eight years and they are 48 and 34 in those games. It's 58.5%. And I went back and looked, then I went and judged those against the first eight to 10 games, depending on the year. And they were 45 and 29. So that was 60%, 60.8%. So their, their winning percentage isn't that much different from the start of the year to the, um, from, from the beginning of the conference campaign to the second half of the conference campaign. It's not as maybe big as you perhaps thought. Now, obviously last year, they start out five and five in the conference and they go four and six. And, you know, when you look at this year, when you start out, you know, eight and two, and right now you're what, two and five, that is going to uh, certainly add to it. But 2022, eight and two down the stretch, 2021, yeah. seven and three down the stretch. Um, so actually, um, like, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Seven and uh, 2022, seven and three down the stretch. 2021 is the season that they kind of fell apart going three and seven. But you look back to, to 2020, nine and one, 20, 2019, seven and three. So they've, they, there have been good stretches down the, uh, at, at times, but it's also, there, there is certainly a lot of stinkers thrown in there. And this one is, is going to be right there. Yep. I think that's pretty well laid out for the people. I mean, it's the optics of things. I mean, the last sure. two seasons are, are what it, stick in our mind and understandably so, and they just haven't been good enough down the stretch. So I know we'll have a, a more big picture conversation once the season's actually over. It just feels like it's kind of trending toward uh, disappointment at this point. Yeah. So I, I, I got a, a number of questions that we won't be able to get to tonight or today, I should say, but I'm going to get to tomorrow night for Temple and High Alpern when we're at Monk's in some prey from from uh, six to seven as we normally are, and we can talk a little bit more about it because there are some bigger picture questions like talking about, you know, Stephen Crowell and Klesman announcing, you know, back in before the season that they were going to be returning next year and wondering if that's a good thing at this point. We'll talk more obviously about the seeding as well, but a, a few things more in the game last night. Yeah. Um, Alex says, is it just me or of the half of the timeout plays seemed very ineffective lately? So many times ending up with a three-point heave as the shot clock expires. Uh, unlike your very well laid out presentation of Wisconsin splits in the first 10 games and last 10 games of Big Ten play, I don't have the metrics or analytics on this, so I'm not sure. I mean, the one, one play that I do remember is the one in the waning seconds when Chucky Hepburn got a three from the left corner off an out of bounds play. But I thought that was actually a pretty good, well drawn up play to get him a decent look in a spot where Wisconsin had to get a quick shot. But uh, I, I guess I can't really speak to that one. Oh, all right. Um, well, we've got some others here. Uh, ben asks thoughts on why they didn't, uh, why uh, we didn't see more minutes from Nolan winter, especially considering Wall's foul trouble uh, wall is foul trouble and uh, crowd getting, beat a lot on the defensive end. They briefly had Winter and Crowell on the floor at the same time. I think 
there are times where I think winter, especially defensively, looks like a freshman because he's got to gain a lot of weight physically. And it's not really fair. I think of one instance where where I mean, he had his way against everybody, but he just went right down the lane uh, and scored over winter. And um, I think I wonder if it has more to do with with that side of things. Um, But no one's in for eight minutes. He took one shot and missed a three. So um, I don't have a a good answer. I just feel like there have been some matchups that have maybe not gone in no one's favor. Eric says it felt like uh, Blackwell got them back into the game, and then he proceeds to sit on the bench for the majority of the second half. Is that a he went with head scratcher or no? <laughs> um, nah, not not necessarily. Um, I mean, I know Max played thirty six minutes, but he was shooting it so well early. Um, it's yeah, it's a tough it's a tough balance. I love what Blackwell gave them. He's so aggressive. He's so smart. The way he's able to cut around the basket and have his teammates find him and his strength, especially the one that tied up the game right before the fire alarm sounded. And he certainly let the uh, defender know about it. Like there's so much to like about his game. Um, But also there's a reason why right now they've got five starters. Um, I realize you could probably interchange him with. With somebody, but yeah, I don't I don't know. I have a lot of I don't knows for these questions. What's tough? I mean, Greg Dart, Greg Art does not have answers, right? Like uh, they, they just, it's it's tough. It's tough. We'll talk. Well, you're going to we'll take talk. him out. You're going to take him out either for Klesman or Store, presumably. Yeah, and Store's been your leading scorer, and Klesman was like, I mean, he was hot early. Yeah the 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 AJ Store thing is just it, it continues to really be tough because he's not an efficient scorer right now. And he is not playing very good defense. And and Greg Gard has, has said numerous times that he's still working through it. Had a, actually had a, a really good comment about him when we talked to him this week. But that one's that one's tough. He can he's the one guy that can not the only guy, but eh, you can make an argument. He's the only guy that can create his own shot and, and make make a play. But it's just it it hasn't been consistent enough. So, um, yeah. All right. It's probably worth pointing out Chucky Hepburn's floor game, by the way. I thought he was outstanding. He was super aggressive. He he led the team with seven rebounds. He had six assists, no turnovers. So I know we've had a lot of negative and understandably so off the Indiana loss, but I thought Chucky was, was for the most part, very, very good. Let's close up the show talking a little Bo Ryan. Um, how strong is his case for the Naismith basketball hall of fame, Jesse? Well, I think it's very strong. It's a nice segue, considering <laughs> I wrote about that for today. Um, had a yes. chance to talk to Bo last week and Greg and uh, Brian Butch, Joe Krabnoff. And it's pretty interesting, actually, because I mean, anyone listening is familiar with his success. But just to recap, like he won 76% of his games as a college basketball head coach, won four Division three national titles at UW-Platteville. No NCAA men's basketball team had a better winning percentage in the 90s than Ryan's Platteville teams. And then goes to Milwaukee, leads them to back-to-back winning seasons for the first time in eight years. And in 14-plus seasons at Wisconsin, I mean, they, they never missed the NCAA tournament in his first in his full 14 seasons. They went to seven Sweet 16s, two Final Fours. They never finished outside the top four in the Big Ten, which is just maybe the most ridiculous thing out of all of this. And, of course, you have four Big Ten regular season titles and three Big Ten tournament title. So like it's it feels like an absolute slam dunk. And I think anybody who knows him would say the same thing. And he's in eight Hall of Fames, but yet he's not in the Naismith Hall of Fame, even though he was a finalist 
in 2015, 2016, 2017, and then went seven years before now he's a finalist again. So they've certainly done a lot to advocate for him. It would be a really big deal because I think the Naismith Hall of Fame is pretty much considered to be one of the most comprehensive Hall of Fames in American sports. It's not just the College Basketball Hall of Fame like Bo was inducted to. You got pros, you got referees, you got scouts, everything. So it's a really strong case, especially when you consider some of the other coaches who have gotten in in recent years. It's no knock on them, but like his resume stacks up with any of these guys. Gene Cady, who got in last year at Purdue. Now he was a six-time national coach of the year. He won six conference titles in 25 seasons at Purdue. Never went to a Final Four. Won 65.5% of his games. Bob Huggins got in in 2022. Reached two Final Fours just like Bo. Won 69.3% of his games. So like... There's no real reason why Bo shouldn't be in the Naismith Hall of Fame. And um, I'd be surprised if he doesn't get in this time, but it's happened three times before. You can, I mean, the, the argument could be made that just if he hadn't ever even come to Wisconsin, he should be in the Hall of Fame. Right. Just right? for what he did at Platteville. That's, that's what I'm saying. Like that, if you just put that out there, if he had never, never even come to Wisconsin, just based on what he did at Platteville, he should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I mean, it would probably be, um, yeah, I mean, he went 161-8 and eight there over his final five seasons. He won 90.8% of his games in the 90s there. It's, and it's not like, like, this is something Greg said too, and obviously Greg was there the last seven years, like, it was a two-lane highway in the middle of nowhere, yep. and you didn't have scholarships. It's yep. it's ridiculous. Yeah, it was. It, it's remarkable. He definitely deserves to be in. So uh, hopefully the, the voters will send him to... Where's that? Where's that one? Portsmouth, Spring, Springfield, Massachusetts, Spring, I believe. Springfield, Mass. Okay. All right. We'll be back uh, next week, and uh, we'll see if Wisconsin's able to figure things out against Illinois and against Rutgers. Jesse, thank you very much. Thanks, Zach. All right, there he is, Jesse Temple from the Athletic. You've been listening to the Swing.